Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Tell Me About It, where we talk about all our deepest insecurities, the most epic face plants, rejections, shame spirals, and all the shitty stuff that makes us human. I'm your host, Jade Iovine, and I just want to thank you so, so much for listening today. So you know on this show, we talk a lot about our humbling moments, and I had an extra special humbling moment the other day. So I have this thing where on the weekend, I mean, preferably Saturday, but I will do it Sunday if we need to, if the plans need to change, but I have French toast or bagel breakfast sandwich Saturday. Whatever the most delicious breakfast is, like I just allow myself to have it that Saturday or Sunday. And it's like the highlight of my week. Like if Dylan makes plans, I freak out that I won't be able to have my special meal. Anyway, unfortunately this week it wasn't a bagel breakfast sandwich and it was French toast. So I was on FaceTime with my sister on my computer, which I never do. Like it was so random that that even happened. And I'm in the kitchen and my order comes. So I run out to get the Postmate and I bring it in and I'm all excited and feeling myself and feeling this snack that I'm about to have. And so my sister's like, what'd you order? What'd you order? And she's, you know, sitting at home with no snack. So I'm, you know, feeling good about myself. And my intention was to show her the French toast. So the laptop is open and the French toast comes in like a circular to-go container. So... I, I tilt it forward in the hopes to show her the detail of the powdered sugar and the whole thing. And I tilt it over and the syrup, I expected the syrup to move at a much more glacial pace. It moved extremely quickly. It was very thin syrup. And the syrup just went all over my laptop and completely destroyed it. Like just completely obliterated the laptop. And it was so sad and it was so humbling. And so I had to get a new laptop, like straight up. It did not work. The keys were all broken. It was just a disaster. It took me a while to notice, honestly, that it wasn't like it spilled for two seconds and then I picked it up really quickly. I was still focused on her seeing the detail of the French toast by the time all of the syrup had made its way onto my computer. So yeah, it was, I mean, it was not my best moment, but I still ate the French toast after. And, you know, it's okay. We all just, we just need to move on with our lives. So if you're having a bad week or you fucked up in some way, you know, just think of my story because it really sucked. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) so today we have a really great episode with Chrissy Rutherford, who will hopefully distract us from our problems like the French toast issue or whatever way you fucked up your week. She's just a joy to be around. And among a lot of other things, we talked a lot about our anxieties. So if you have anxiety, you're probably going to relate and love this episode. If you don't, you're going to learn a lot about anxiety. And honestly, we might give it to you because we talk about our anxieties in such incredible detail. So consider this your trigger warning if you need one. We talked about astrology, our shared adoration of therapy. And you know that feeling where like, you're just not hitting the mark. You're just not fully there. Like whether it's a work day or a social situation, you're just like someone else is upstairs in my head and it's like not me. You just feel like not yourself. Well, we talk a lot about situations like that. And like when you fuck up an interview or you fuck up a social situation and you just beat yourself up afterwards and you're like, I didn't sound as smart as I am or I didn't sound as cool as I am or I didn't, 
I, I had such a better answer for that. And you know the feeling. I know you know the feeling. So we talk a lot about that. Chrissy is wise, fun, and endlessly relatable. So I know you're going to love this as much as I loved getting to know her. Let me tell you a little bit more about her. Chrissy Rutherford is a fashion and social media expert with over 12 years of experience in the industry. Chrissy began her career with roles at InStyle.com and Cosmopolitan Magazine. Later, she joined HarpersBazaar.com, where she worked her way up from an assistant editor to special projects director over the course of a decade. In her special projects role, she was responsible for overseeing the brand's Instagram account, which garnered over 4 million followers, as well as styling and TV appearances. Chrissy is a co-founder of 2BG, Two Black Girls, a consultancy that educates brands and influencers in the fashion and beauty spaces on diversity and inclusion. Outside of fashion, she is also an advocate for mental health and a leading voice in the health and wellness space. Chrissy started her twice-monthly newsletter, Forward Joy, that launched in January of 2021 that has set out to remind us all that no matter where you're at in life, there will be joy ahead. So without further ado, here is Chrissy Rutherford. Hello, Chrissy. Hi, Jade. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to talk to you, mostly because we are both crazy into um, astrology, psychics, tarot, that whole world. Yes. I love this because when I was um, when I was thinking about this, I, I actually like thought, I was like, oh, I hope she's into astrology because like I'm definitely going to be talking about that. <laughs> majorly. Majorly. And I love that you're more knowledgeable than I am. I actually on an episode before this was talking about how I went to a psychic recently or like was on the phone with a psychic. It totally fucked me up because I've been seeing psychics since I was like 12 and Mm -hmm. like, you know, mediums and whatever. Like I've always been so into that. But this one like gave me specific dates, like said things like, okay, Jade, by the time like June 2021 comes, like you're going to be in a totally different space. Like your whole life, everything you know is going to be different. So now I'm like, fuck. Okay. Like what (laughs) is about to change? Like I'm so nervous. And he like told me that I was going to break my ankles twice. So now I'm like won't let myself do anything where my ankles are at risk, which is pretty much anything. Oh my goodness. It's just like, he gave me very specific things, you know? This is interesting. I know, which can be tough sometimes. Like I almost, when I do those things, like I, I'm down for like a general timeline. Yes. Um, You know, like in the spring or whatever. Yeah. But like when you kind of get like those hard dates, you're like, ooh. Yeah. And I'm like, am I going to manifest something crazy because I'm just thinking about it constantly? Right. But what what I love is that our moons are the same. We both have a moon in Capricorn. Yes. Which is, you what know. What does that mean? It is the most challenging place for the moon is to it? be in. It Wonderful. is. Wonderful. It is. The moon is in deficit in Capricorn, which means like, we just like have to work harder on an emotional mm-hmm. level because the moon rolls, <laughs> rules emotions. So it, that's definitely something I've been delving deeper into um, over the last like two years because I'm a Pisces sun. And so I okay. am very emotional and super, right. super sensitive. But then on this other end, I'm a Capricorn moon, which is like super detached emotionally. And just like understanding like the push and the pull of those two sides and trying to make sense yeah. of it. What's your sun sign? Yeah. My sun sign is cancer, oh, which like okay. I don't totally identify with. Like it's a very, 
it's, I don't like to talk about my sun sign much because I'm like, I don't feel like that. But then like to know I'm detached, I feel like I'm detached on both sides, but I consider myself such an emotional and sensitive person. Which is your cancer. So we're both water signs. Oh, it is. Okay. Yes. So then what's your, what's your rising? Sagittarius. Okay. So you're fire. Okay. So you got the fieriness. Okay. Well, an interesting thing I actually just learned from um, Alice Bell, who's an astrologer that I'm friends with. She actually has a podcast called Astrology and You. And she and her co-host mentioned how sometimes when people feel like they don't um, really like feel like their sun sign because your sun sign is also sort of like the person that you're working towards becoming. Right. So I thought that was a really interesting way to look at it because I do think that that happens a lot where people are like, I'm not really like this sign. And maybe they more relate to their rising sign. I'm a Taurus rising, which I also, I relate to all of my signs. You're like, this is all right. I'm very tapped in. Yes. When I get readings and stuff, I'm like, ah, yes, that's a hundred percent right. But then there's that whole, like the psychic that I saw recently, I mean, like we will get to the rest of this interview in a second, (laughs) but he was like working on the whole, like the new astrology world, you know, like the, I think I'm still a Sagittarius, but where there's that extra sign. No, that stuff doesn't. No, no. Yeah. That extra sign is not, no. Really threw me for a loop. I'm not challenged all every, I'm not down you, with that. You don't subscribe to that. No. Okay, great. Wonderful. No. Me neither. <laughs> Me neither. Okay, great. So let's jump in. I like yeah. to start by talking about your 20s because I just feel like Jesus take the wheel in your 20s. <laughs> you're just like, oh my God, what is happening? Like your self-worth is challenged. Like you're looking, constantly looking to the left and right of you thinking everyone has it together and you don't. Right. There are a lot of friendship breakups, just a lot of no. transformation that can be really uncomfortable. So you're 35 now? Yes. Just turned 35 yes. March 6th. Oh, happy birthday. Thanks. So who were you 10 years ago? Like who was Chrissy at 25? Uh, It's funny that we're starting off with this because I actually had written a little personal essay for my newsletter that came out the week of my birthday, reflecting on my 25th birthday. No way. I did. And the one thing that always stood out to me about my 25th birthday and just in general, my birthdays during my 20s, I always cried. Always mm. cried on my birthday. I'm familiar. Because I always felt like I'm getting old. And I was so scared of getting old. And especially at 25, you feel like all of a sudden you're crossing this threshold of like, yes, now I need to be an adult. Now I need to have my career together. Now I need to have the yes. relationship that's going to lead to marriage. Like I need to have all of these things. And I was so, so far from that. And I think in reality, like most 25-year-olds are yes. far from that. But I don't know 100%. why why does it feel like that is all of a sudden this like portal into this new dimension um and you know you're like saying goodbye to your college life if you went to college and I was just like now I'm just not like a young hot thing anymore like I'm 25 I'm old. You're in your late 20s or your mid 20s. Very unnerving. Yes. Yeah. So that was hard for me. And I think especially around that time, I was I was really honestly like still trying to figure out the career piece. And I've always been very 
driven. Um, I think Mm -hmm. I've just always felt this responsibility. Like I'm meant to do something amazing with my life. Even if I can't necessarily put my finger on it, I think that's even how I feel right now. But in the beginning, I was very focused on wanting to work in the fashion industry and I wanted to make a name for myself. And, you know, I graduated college in 2008 when the country was going into recession. And after having come off two summer internships at Harper's Bazaar, I was like, oh, I'm getting a job so easily like you know the editors there loved me they like wanted me to like not finish out my senior year to get a job there and I was like there's no way my parents would ever let me do that (laughs) and um yeah and then the reality was the you know stark contrast to that it was everyone is getting laid off especially in publishing And so it definitely took me a while to like find my footing. And, um, you know, I had to take on like a lot of sort of random freelance jobs uh, in the fashion industry still, which was a good experience. But, you know, at the end of the day, I was like, I'm not doing what I'm meant to be doing. And yeah, there were times where I sort of doubted whether I was going to get on the path that I, you know, I thought I was meant to be on. Because I knew I just always knew, like, since I was in like high school, like, I'm gonna work in fashion, like, this is what I'm going to do. So yeah, like, during that period, it just felt like so confusing. And I remember specifically also like around my 25th birthday, Like that was maybe the lowest point for me because at the Mm. end of the prior year, I had quit a full-time freelance job because it was giving me insane anxiety. I was like crying before I went to work, crying at the end of the Mm -hmm. day. I honestly lost like 10 pounds while I was working there, could not eat because I was so stressed out and anxious. I was like, I have to quit. I had a job like that. Have to yeah. quit this. It is, I, I love this industry, but it is not worth my mental health. Like, you know, it's not worth my mental health. And, and like, I didn't even know that that was like possible that I could feel so miserable while working in an industry that like I dreamed to work in. Right. And so then, you know, in the beginning of the year, again, I was just like, I started like assisting some stylists and I was just kind of like trying to do any little thing. And some of the stylists I was working for were like trying to screw me out of money. And it was so like that around that point was really like a low point for me. But then like, uh, what, six months later, I, I went to Bazaar to work. Six months from your 25th birthday. Yes. Six months after. Wow. So it like kind of took off from there. It probably yes. didn't get much easier, but like, just right. cause you're still in your twenties. Right. Yeah. So what do you remember being insecure about? Like, who were you as a person and how is that different from who you are today? Um, I think I was, obviously insecure about like where my career was going. I think a lot of times also just like I was insecure about like relationships and, you know, boys. Mm -hmm. And I think like, again, it plays into that, like, oh, you know, you need to like 30 is my deadline. And like, I have to find, I have to find a partner by then. And, you know, this is what I have to do or else, oh my God, no one's going to date me. Like (laughs) jokes on me because I'm 35 (laughs) now and still single. Go Um, girl. So, you know, and I was also like, I was just so innocent. Like I was a late bloomer in life. Like I wasn't drinking or having sex in college. And so, you know, that was definitely a piece that I felt 
insecure about for sure. So you felt like with those friendships, did you have friendship breakups per se, or did you just kind of grow out of them peacefully? I think grew out of them peacefully for the most part, but then there were definitely times where things like felt a little bit more dramatic. And like, for me, trust is so important because I'm, I'm just not interested in like superficial conversations. I think like there was a point in time, of course, like when I was going out to clubs, like you have your club friends and like, you don't need to know anything about their personal life. You just need to know that they're down to go to the club and wait in line on Friday, Saturday night. And like, you're going to dance your asses off and that's it. But for like (laughs) my regular friends, um, because I always want to be having like deep conversations about like, who are we? Who are we evolving into? How can we be better? And I'm so glad you're here because I love those conversations too. And so, you know, you definitely, you definitely see people who are less interested in having those conversations or kind of stuck in their lives and are not willing to work on themselves. Like that is, that is something that I've never been able to relate to because Mm. I've literally been, I feel like I've been working on myself my entire life. Like since I first started having anxiety, I think that sort of has pushed me to like really want to understand myself better and how I function and how other people function. And that is just something that is so core to who I am as a human being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Self-reflection is huge and it can be a divisive aspect. You know, if, if, if your friends like aren't interested in looking inward and aren't interested in doing the work, it can be really, yeah hard to maintain those friendships, you know, hundred percent. but as someone who's been in therapy for so long and as someone who is self-reflective and, you know, always doing the work, quote unquote, you've probably changed a lot because you yes. just, your growth is kind of exactly, it just is like sped up. You know what I mean? It's like 100%. when you're doing the work. So how have you fundamentally changed as a person from 25 to 35 <sighs> or have you not? Uh, no, I have so much. I think like I, I always considered myself to be someone who like understood who I was, but at the same time, like my therapist will always say, like, you know, you can only work off the information that you have, you know? So even if I have changed a lot, I think I still knew who I was in, in those moments. But now when I look back, I'm like, oh my God, I didn't know anything. (laughs) Or, you know, one thing that has always like stressed me out is just feeling like, why, when you know someone is struggling, you're like, why don't you want to fix this? Like, you know, and you can't want something for someone that they don't want for themselves. Exactly. Exactly. So what's a rejection or a mistake that you went through in your twenties that taught you a lot about yourself? In a sense, like, I guess maybe this doesn't like sound like a classic, like rejection, but I think the job Mm -hmm. that I referenced before that I was Mm -hmm. a full-time freelance job, it was at a magazine that I was doing and feeling like, the people I was reporting to, like, were really making me feel like I was never doing a good job. I wasn't doing, you know, good enough. One of them, I kid you not, one of the editors that I reported to once said to me, maybe you're just not cut out for this. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and, sometimes oh my I, God. and sometimes I just want to laugh because I'm like, and where are you now? Because exactly, no longer works in the industry. I bet. I bet. <laughs> and... 
but I think that there was a part of me, of course, that was, that was questioning, like, maybe, yeah, like, maybe I am, I'm not cut out for this, or like, or just feeling like, no one wants to feel like they, they aren't good at their jobs. Totally. Um, and totally. just feeling so, like, wrecked by, I mean, I think this is, like, sort of, like, typical fashion industry abuse. But, mm -hmm. you know, we, and I think a lot of us, like, we all have gone through it at one point in our lives. And I always used to think that I, I had such thick skin. Because, uh, you know, when I was an intern at Bazaar, I was like, that was not easy. Like, I definitely got yelled right. at and whatever. But... Uh, I don't know. It, it rolled off. But the, it's different. It rolled off the shoulders a lot easier than like once I was like, okay, I think it's different when you're like, I'm an employee here now. So I feel like mm -hmm. I deserve some like semblance of respect and I'm not right. getting it. Not to even also like the racial implications of what is going on yes. where I'm the only black, you know, black person in the office. So. Right. So that was definitely, you know, I think something that like really shaped me and mm -hmm. um, I'm just realizing also that like things, we all are going to struggle at some point in life. And yes. there have been many points in my life where I feel like I have struggled, that being like a huge one of them. But then knowing that I eventually got on my path and, mm -hmm. you know, I have had such an incredible and rewarding career, like makes it all worth it. Yeah. Like, did you do, did you have to do like a lot of self work and like a lot of work with your therapist? Did you like amp up the therapy at that time? Cause I had a job like that where I lost like so much weight. I was having panic attacks every night. Like it was so crazy. I actually may not have been in therapy at that time, which is so crazy to wow. think. Cause I, you know, I was taking breaks at times and yeah, yeah, I don't think, I don't think I was, I think it, I was really just like leaning on my parents um, and yeah. friends and myself. And I think one thing that I've always, I've just always had a lot of belief in myself. So I think even mm -hmm. though that time felt really dark, I wasn't discouraged at the same time. Mm -hmm. I was like, I know that I need to just keep it moving. And, yes. you know, I looked for other jobs and I found other opportunities. And yes, they were not perfect, but I just like kept at it and believing that something good was going to come my way. Yes. So we talk about like you, you know, kind of always obviously it's always evolving, like feeling like you know who you are, but feeling comfortable in your skin can be an entirely different beast, you know? Sure. So when do you feel like you first started to feel comfortable in your skin? I mean, I think, I'm like, is it annoying to say like, I feel like I've always felt comfortable in my Not skin? Not at all. No, that's wonderful. I, I just really feel like I have, like I'm, I think it it was always one of those things where it felt like very, just like internally, I've always loved myself and felt I was special mm -hmm. and like desired myself. But like, yeah. but then there were obviously times where I'm like, but can anyone else see it? You know? Yes. And so that, that could always definitely be like a source of insecurity of feeling like, okay, well, I don't know if anyone else sees how special I think 100%. I am or, um, you know, uh, like, does anyone else find me attractive? But like on my, 
but on my own, like I do love myself. Yeah. Which is so interesting. I mean, we'll get more into anxiety in a minute because I've heard you say like there, you feel like sometimes there are two sides of you, you know, like a side that's super anxious and then the side that's like self-assured. And I feel the same way. And it's really hard to reconcile those two sides. You know, it can feel like, wait, like I love myself. Wait, do I, you know, it's like, they're very different people that like live in your head. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So do you, do you think that's gotten easier as you've gotten older or like, is it always, you always feel like yes, split I think, down the middle? No, I think now it's like, it's easier to sort of stand firmly in the part that does love myself. I think, you know, we all get kind of knocked down every once in a while. Um, but mm-hmm. then you kind of have to come back to, you know, your core beliefs and like who you know, your, who you know yourself to be. And I really had to do a lot of work internally to like untangle myself from Mm -hmm. my self-worth, like being attached to the job that I was doing in publishing Mm -hmm. and feeling like that's what makes people care about me. That's why I've gotten to where I am and all of those things. And, you know, it's, it is hard because look, we see we see so many people on Instagram, like, you know, uh, during fashion week and whatever. And, you know, you see how others are valued and how others are regarded, who's getting magazine yes. features, who's, yes. you know, all over like the Net-A-Porter Instagram or whatever. Right. And then you're just like, okay, well, here I am like, in like, right. But other people are probably viewing you that way, which is so crazy, you know? <laughs> yes. And uh, yeah, so it's, you know, it, it really is. Um, it was a challenging place to be in. But I think yeah. that, you know, this last year has really, um, has really taught me so much and like helped me to really feel in my purpose and to be and, and my self worth and know that like, I bring so much value to the table. I always knew this and I don't need, I didn't need that validation. Like, yeah. And I do think that, especially when I was there, I was very caught up in wanting validation from my boss, from other people there um, to feel like I had done a good job. And I remember having a conversation with my oldest brother once after like, a work event where I felt like I was like busting my ass and, and, you know, again, like not really feeling appreciated. And I was complaining to my brother about it. And he was like, why do you even need the credit? He was like, you're not a dog waiting for like a treat. (laughs) He was like, you do this because it's who you are. Yeah. I feel like a dog waiting for a treat all the time. (laughs) In that way, you know what I mean? Because like yeah. that, especially like with, with you being now on Instagram, like, because it like positive reinforcement from an outside source can be addicting. Right. What does the work look like to understand that you don't need other people to see your magic? Well, when it comes to Instagram, I feel like I almost like I don't take it seriously in that validation mm. sense because Instagram, like to me you know, with algorithms and how these things work, I'm like, we have zero control over what happens on that app. I'm like, it's literally like a video game. I do not know. I cannot control who's going to see my content and whatever else. So I'm, I do feel like thankful that I don't really get caught up in the likes and all of that. But it's funny because two, 
what, two weeks ago or so, there was something like going on with the stories algorithm and like, and my story views were like so low. And I was like, what is going on? Actually, it was around my birthday, which was so funny because I was like, no one's, no one's going to know it's my birthday because they're not seeing my- That'll trigger the birthday blues. They're not seeing my posts. Um, And I actually reached out to Kara Santana, who is also a guest on here. And, yes. and I was like, is your, are your story views like really messed up right now? And she was like, oh my God, it's so bad. And I was like, okay, oh, so it's not just me, but that was the You're first. Like, so will you announce that it's my birthday? Oh, right. <laughs> I was like, that was the first time I like really kind of felt, um, like triggered by, yes. by Instagram stats. <laughs> Yeah, because you if like you if you take the positive, that means you also have to validate the negative the right. feedback that you get. And right. that can be really traumatizing. You know, like when I'm throwing up a post on Instagram, I'm like, maybe it's gonna do well, maybe it's not. If it doesn't do well, is it because of the time of the day, the day of the week, the caption, right. the photo? It's like there's so many there's so many factors in this. Like who can even say we have absolutely no control over this? I'm like, I feel, I feel better having you say that because like you're an Instagram wizard and I'm like, I'm like so afraid of Instagram. Like, I'm like, I, I'm like, when I post, I'm like, I can't breathe for 20 minutes. I'm like, holy shit. The first five minutes are like very powerful in Instagram. You know what I mean? It's like you get wrapped up in that crazy world. It's just, it can be hard. I know. Sometimes when I post things and I'm like, it's probably not going to do well. I honestly, I just like, I'm like, I don't even want to know. I'm not going to look. I don't care. Just close it. But then when it yes. is doing well, then you're like, you want to be refreshing and like exactly. see all the comments. And- <laughs> exactly. And for people with anxiety or like perfectionists, it can be a nightmare, an absolute yes. nightmare. Yes. So what does knock your confidence today? But aside from the algorithm <laughs> and like, what do you do when you kind of like, how do you stay resilient to whatever knocks your confidence? Um, I think just accepting that like, there's always going to be ups and downs, like there's always struggles. Um, I think that, again, like a lot of my anxiety is rooted in like feeling out of control. So I think Mm. that is something that, you know, really gets me from time to time when I feel like, oh my God, this is happening. And I have, um, you know, no say in it aside from like Instagram, but like things that are just like really happening to me personally. Yeah. Yeah. And or even like, like, can you give examples of like feeling out of control? Like what would be a scary situation? For well, you? so, I mean, this isn't super scary, but like there was, uh, I did an interview like two weeks ago, um, where the person was like actually asking me like really hard questions about like my consulting business and like race mm. and the industry. And I definitely just like hung up feeling like, I don't think like, I did not sound smart or like I did not feel prepared. Um, you know, oh, and that feeling I, is the fucking worst. It really, really is. Because again, like after you say things, that's it. Yes. Like you don't, you don't yes. have any control over it, but and um, just feeling misunderstood. Like you're like, I knew that like, I, I I'm smarter than how I sound. Right. Like, right. Yeah. And like, you know, like some days you're just like, you really truly are like off your game. Cause even during the interview, yes. I was thinking, I was like, I don't know what is going on with me right now, but I just like, I just felt like tired. I'm like, I'm not in the zone where I feel like I can even, like even what I'm saying, even if it's right, I feel like it doesn't sound coherent. And oh my, I'm like, are you reading my mind? Yes, I know the feeling. And so, 
you know, I just, I just try like not to dwell on it because again, it is out of my control and I know it's not productive. And, you know, I think those things kind of like stay on my mind for like 24 hours. Like if I can get to therapy soon enough or like I write in my journal and then I just try to like let it go. So what do you do on those people with anxiety and depression like myself? Hello. We have off days, you know, maybe everyone has off days, but I feel like, like it can be really scary for people. Like for me, like, I'm like, oh shit, like this is about to be a situation where I can't get out of bed for a month. Like what's about to happen here? Like, how do you handle those bad days? Cause like, I'm still working on that. Like when I have a bad day, I like just hate myself. Like the self-loathing is unbearable. And it's just like, I don't believe in tomorrow, even though like, I feel like for every bad day, you get an extra good day. And like, Mm -hmm. I think even that mentality is probably awful, you know, but it's hard, but it's hard. So how do you kind of cope with those off days? I think it's really about being just like gentle with yourself and Mm -hmm. knowing that, yes, like there are always going to be bad days. I think, I feel like I'm acutely familiar with them, you know, because this Mm -hmm. is like part of my, this is just part of my existence. Like I'm a very moody person. And yeah, I feel like, especially during the pandemic, like every day when I wake up, I'm like, I have no idea what kind of mood I'm about to be in or what kind of day, or even in the beginning of a pandemic, feeling like those highs and lows were like, sure, you might start off the day, like feeling really good. And then by lunchtime, you're like, I'm going to go get back in bed and binge watch the office for the rest of the day. Like I can't work. I can't work. Uh, so yeah, I think I just try to like, honestly, I was like, this is so Pisces, but like, just go with the flow. I'm like, I, cause the, what else is there to do? Like, do you force the issue? Like, do you, like, I kind of just have that problem where I just, I keep like forcing myself to like work or do something when I'm just not there. Like, do you throw in the towel or what do you do? Yeah, I usually throw in the towel, but it depends on what my deadlines are looking like because on one hand, I think there are times where, you know, anxiety can be like a very vicious cycle where like once you can acknowledge that you're having an anxiety attack, it like propels the anxiety attack Mm -hmm. and then you're just Mm -hmm. like sort of spinning out. And a lot of times you kind of need a distraction and you need something to take your mind off of it. So there are times where I can acknowledge that actually if I push through and just get some work done or knock a couple things off my to-do list, I will feel better. But then there are definitely days where I just, I can't, but, um, you know, I, I still like, I try to be responsible. So I'm like, if I need to get something done, like I need to get it done, but but also if I need to postpone something, I need to postpone it. Right, right. You're right. There are like two ways to kind of handle it. Cause it's true. Like your anxiety can be lessened if you like do something off your to-do list. You know, if you do something hard, if you push yourself to do it. But then there are days where it just like, you're just not hitting the mark and you just need to watch that show that you've seen a hundred times yep. and just like lay in bed and forget the world, you know? 100%. With anxiety or with anxious people in general, I have found that a lot of people feel really ashamed of their past self or ashamed of ways that they've handled certain situations. Do you ever feel that way? When it comes to my anxiety, no. You know, there was a little bit of embarrassment around it of Mm -hmm. like, wow, I can't do 
the normal things that I used to do. Uh, I'm, you know, I don't want to spend as much time with my friends. I'm spending a lot of time at home and in bed, uh, you know, or feeling like if a friend asks you to do something that you know might be triggering to you. So like you have to turn it down. I definitely like experienced those kind of emotions, but you know, I think like we just need to like comfort that younger self, you know, and know mm-hmm. that we were, again, like going off the information that we had, we were doing the best that we could. And like at that age also like, yeah, I, I was so young. I barely understood what was happening to me, let alone anyone else around me, like not my parents, like my parents you know, do not have conversations around mental health, like until it became an issue for me. Like that was not something that was like ever being discussed. So like when you had that hard interview the other day, like does your anxiety grab onto that and like just go crazy? Or do you kind of like have a good process for letting go? I think, yeah, I will let go of a situation like that. I'm like trying to think Mm -hmm. of things where I think like in my 20s when I was dating and stuff like that and And feeling like I was always putting the blame on myself if something didn't work out, I would really latch on to that. And a lot of times my anxiety does show up as obsessive thinking. And so just Mm -hmm. like being caught in that was really difficult. But I have worked through that in therapy. So I do that a lot less, thank God. Yeah. My anxiety is fundamentally like obsessive thinking. So yeah. I feel like if if like I go through something like I performed poorly and during something like it will eat at me Lush. until like, yeah, forever. Do you compare yourself to other women? We all like we're all dealt a certain set of cards in life. Like there's right. always going to be someone who is richer, hotter, you know, thinner than you. And yes. I'm not going to waste my energy, like, wishing that I'm someone that I'm not. Yes. So, like, do you compare, like, if you're on Instagram, you know, that is where a lot of comparisons happen, I feel like. Are you more inclined to compare yourself professionally or are you more inclined to compare yourself, like, physically or, you know, personally? I would say personally. Pro- more professionally. Professional, like to other influencers or like other people that are doing what you're doing. Yeah, like other people in the fashion industry. But I think I use that more as like inspiration and like fuel of like, okay, like, you know, that is what I want. Not like, oh, I can't believe that person has that over me, you know? Right. But yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. So you talk a lot about your anxiety on Instagram, and it's something that I admire so much and commend you for. Also, as a black woman, talking about anxiety is so important because of the stigmas that exist in Mm -hmm. the black community and in other communities of color. So can you kind of walk me through your anxiety and when it first started? So, you know, sometimes I think like I was, I probably had like, some semblance of anxiety like throughout my childhood because mm. I was a thumb sucker my entire adolescence which oh, is interesting which is a self-soothing tactic for children yes and like had a baby blanket you know like all of those like I still have my baby blanket same I actually <laughs> okay. like only I always like used to sleep with it up until like maybe like three years ago because I like yeah. I had like packed it away for some reason and then I just like for forgot about it and I was like oh, oh no way I guess I was like I guess I'll how just empowering stop 
sleeping with yes. it now. Um, yes. So yeah, when I think back to like the psychology around doing things like that, I'm like, I probably wasn't always an anxious child, but my first major panic attack happened when I was about 13 years old. I was on the school bus one morning going to going to middle school and a kid threw up on the bus. And of course, like everyone thinks it's gross. It's unpleasant. blah yeah. blah, blah. And I remember like feeling like a little freaked out. And after I got off the bus, sort of feeling like, oh, like what if I get sick and, mm-hmm. and just like starting to worry a little bit, but kind of just kept trying to like push it away, like made it through the day, got home, couldn't go to school for the next three days. I was terrified. I was convinced every morning that I woke up that like, I felt sick. If I go to school, I might get sick. It was, you know, it, it was really bad. I could not get on the school bus. So my parents ended up like, you know, making an appointment with the school psychologist and we talked about it and like they suggested I start going to therapy for it. Uh, which like, thank God, um, you know, my parents did that. They had also suggested me going on antidepressants, but my parents were actually like very against it. So it was like therapy is how she's going to deal with this. And, and I remember, and I remember like not, not loving therapy. You know, I was like, I was a kid and it's weird. You're going to talk to an adult stranger and you have to talk about the things that, that are going on with you. But I, I obviously like remember her just really instilling like helpful tools for me to, to cope because that's really what I needed was like, I had no way to cope with what I, how I was feeling and what to do in those panicked moments. And also like for a little backstory was like, I was always a super outgoing child. I, I was a dancer. I studied ballet and tap, did all the recitals. I was in school plays. I played instruments, school choir. Like I did like any chance to get on a stage, like count me in. And I was never, I was never nervous about getting on stage. Never. Mm -hmm. But then after that panic attack that I had, it was like, my light switched off and all of a sudden I was terrified. I could not even get up in front of my like 20 person class to give a presentation. I did not want to get up on stage. I was absolutely terrified because again, I was afraid that like maybe I was going to get sick and Mm -hmm. all of these things. And so my therapist started working with me uh, on teaching me like how to meditate. Mm -hmm. on how to do like visualizations. Like if I had to give a presentation in class, I would, of course, like always like ask the teacher if I can go first, because it would help relieve some of the anxiety if I wasn't sitting through class the entire time, like waiting for my my name to be called. Yes. But then also like, you know, spending the evening sort of like walking through like, what is this really going to look like? You know, walking up the steps to school, walking into my classroom, sitting down, like being prepared. And those were a lot of things that that did really help, even though like, you know, every day it was a challenge. And when I would have like 
a time I was freaking out or I felt like, oh my God, like I can't go to, I can't go to class. Like I'm too panicked. I would run to the nurse's office and like that in itself became like, that was like my escapist behavior. Like right. I would just go to the nurse's office or I would go to this are also like our school guidance counselor. I actually had had like a really great relationship with her and she helped me so much as well. Um, so yeah, there were, you know, definitely trained professionals that were instrumental in like helping me sort of get on, on track, but it was, you know, you're going through so many changes That's at that time. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. It's just a lot. And again, as I said, like none of my friends were going through this. My parents right. also could barely understand like what the hell was going on with me. Like, how do you really, you know, how do you really explain like literally going from this like outgoing, person to now I'm like a little hermit. I'm scared to do anything and everything. Um, I always am scared, like I'm going to get sick or throw up. And like, it was just, I, I was like, who, who am I? Exactly. That resonates with me so much because you're like, you still have these ambitious thoughts and you still have the thoughts of the outgoing person, but you have suddenly this huge obstruction that like you cannot see past and you're like, who am I? And also 13 year olds are not known for being the kindest, you know? So I feel like that's so hard. Just like even having the words for it, for your friends, for your friends to understand, like that's really hard. 100%. Do you think that it like, from all your research, because I know you've done a lot of research on anxiety and you read a lot about it. Yep. Like, do you think that, because my anxiety was triggered when I was 21 and I had a reproductive surgery that kind of like really fucked with my hormones. Oh, and that's when it started for me. Like, do you think it was a hormonal shift for you like that it started at 13? Sometimes I think about that. There's also another piece, which I've never really talked about before, but I had Lyme disease at mm. around 11, 12 years old and Lyme disease affects your nervous system. And right. I also, it was kind of a catalyst for a lot of other health issues that I was having. Again, like I was always a super healthy child um, up until I got bit by a tick and had Lyme disease. And then my doctors thought I had, I might have lupus and it was mm. just like in and out of the doctor's office. And, you know, I think I still hold on to like a lot of trauma around that, uh, just being really scared that I did not know what was going on with my health and how it was impacting me. Um, so yeah, sometimes I wonder whether the Lyme disease also played a factor in it. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Cause also that can, from two standpoints, from your nervous system, it, but also like if your anxiety is typically attached to like health or like, yeah, it can be really triggering. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, so when you first started therapy, like starting therapy at 13, like, which I did also (laughs) is like, it's just, I mean, it's hard to connect with your therapist in the first place. But when do you feel like you, I want to get more into therapy in a minute, but like, when do you feel like you really started to appreciate therapy or really started working? Do you feel like it almost immediately because you started the meditations or did it take a long time to get it under control? To get my anxiety under control? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that it start like it did work, even though like I didn't love the therapist and whatever may have felt, had feelings around that. I think it was still really helpful because by the time I got to high school, 
I couldn't get back on the school bus. So my mom would drive me every single day and pick me up every single day, which was. Your mom sounds wonderful. Yes. But it was also like such a huge stress on her life. And so I remember, I think this was like, was this before I was about to start freshman year of high school? I feel like she said to me, if you don't try to get back on the school bus, I'm not going to drive you. So Mm. I was like, okay, I have to to try. And, um, and luckily like my best friend throughout grade school lived on my bus route. I remember like, it was so terrifying, so scary, but like I did it. I did it. Right. And so I think that was really the start of me trying to like work through and, and realize, okay, like, yes, it's scary, but I did it. And now I feel so good Mm -hmm. that I did it. Uh, and that right. has been something I've really held on to throughout my life now is that yeah. like, there is actually no better feeling than being able to conquer the things that we're terrified of. And, yes. you know, then later on, I eventually got back on a stage again, I joined like our school dance team and, and did those things. So even though yes, I was still scared, and would be nervous beforehand, like I was still able to do it. The plain piece was like, the last piece for me to really work on, which didn't come until like my 20s after I started working at Bazaar. I have a lot of questions for you about yeah. flight anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> because like my anxiety doesn't go there, but I'm so curious about it. But yeah. it's so true. Like exposure therapy has been the only way that I've been able to tolerate anxiety. You have to just go through it. Like the stuff that scares the shit out of you, like you said. 100%. But going from going from that outgoing, like give me a stage, give me an audience, you know, whatever kind of person, how long, and, it, and also being 13 where you're struggling with your, your identity as is, you yeah. know? Did you pretty quickly say like, I, you know, I'm Chrissy and I have anxiety or like, did it take you a long time? Like for me, I kind of wrestled with it for years before I accepted it as part of my identity. Yeah. I don't think I saw it as part of my identity until I got older. And I think it was something that was only told to others, like incompetence, like, Mm -hmm. like, uh, you, you know, this is just between you and I, like, I don't want everyone else to know, but like, this is something I'm struggling with. And because again, like you, you're sort of made to feel like something is wrong with you. Totally. That like you're crazy and. Or you're weaker than others. Yes. You can't handle some things that other people can. hundred percent. And so, yeah, that uh, honestly, I would say like, it really wasn't until I wrote a personal essay for Bizarre about my experience with anxiety, which was in like 2014 that that was like my moment of, okay, I'm claiming this as like, this is who I am. Um, and this is who I've been for a long time. And, you know, here's how I've worked through this struggle. You probably got a lot of responses from that piece that you wrote, Mm -hmm. but prior to that, did you know anyone else struggling? Like, was there anyone that you admired that you, like people weren't as vocal about it, even like not even close. Yeah. People weren't really, yeah. People were not really talking about it. Like, I think I had friends Like one of my best friends in college kind of struggled with depression and I probably connected with a few people here and there, Mm -hmm. but it was definitely not something that was being spoken about out in the open. Right. Right. So then the the flight anxiety was a whole other layer that happened in your 20s. So my anxiety is like a lot more shame-based. Like it's very self-deprecating, can border on self-loathing. 
you know, it's very focused on things I did in the past or ways that I think that people perceive me. I mean, it's just not fun, as you can imagine. But it's like, I didn't really understand it as much as I do now, but I'm hoping you can explain a little more to me. Like, so flight anxiety, for you, was it the fear of the crowds, you know, or like fear of like the hustle and bustle of getting to the airport and like being late and all of that? Or is it the fear of dying? It's the fear of dying, of being out of control, the plane crashing and dying. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So that would just like go through your head like for as long as you can remember going on planes well when I of course like when you're younger like you don't really understand like danger or anything like that so because I was a kid that like did go on planes and stuff like that right but I remember it getting bad probably about middle school so same time as like you know my anxiety is just is has elevated and Uh, and therefore I would only get on the plane if I absolutely had to, because like my oldest brother lived in Florida. So like, you know, his college graduation or like when he got married or his wife was having a baby, like those were the only times I was getting on a plane and it was always with my parents and it was still pretty agonizing, but I remember the, so the first time I got a, the opportunity to travel for work, uh, while I was working at Bazaar, we were going to Art Basel, which was like mm. super exciting and, you know, getting the opportunity to go just felt so cool. And so that was the first time like at work, I had to kind of be like, listen, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm dealing with this thing. And, and I did have, like, I did feel like a little embarrassed about it because, you know, everyone was like booking their flights and whatnot. But, yeah. um, I was, I said like, I'll, I want to go, but I need my, I need my mom to come with me. So I'm going to book my own separate flight and deal with that. And, you know, my boss was very understanding and was like, okay, that's fine. And so the week leading up to that flight was so agonizing. When I tell you, like, I could not think about anything else. Like my stomach was just in knots for days. And I had gotten a prescription for Xanax, like, Mm -hmm. God bless for that. (laughs) And, you know, I took the Xanax. I was okay on the flight. It, it helps. Xanax helps so much. It really, yes. really does. Like you're still aware that you're scared and you're having these feelings, right. but it does not feel like it's going to literally drag you down. And so. Right. And Xanax is like meant for exactly what, like, you know what I mean? It's not meant for like my kind of anxiety, which is like right. in the middle of the night. It's, it's meant for like flight yes. anxiety. So that's great. Yeah. Right. Or like before you have to like do something like this. And um, yeah, so that helped a lot, but I'll never forget that entire weekend that I was in Miami. I felt so exhausted, like a level of exhaustion I have never, ever felt before in my life. I literally felt like the whole time I was like wading through like the mud. I just like, I felt so slow and lethargic and, you know, I, And I didn't really understand, but I was like, it has to do with the fact that I have literally been in agony for at least seven days leading up to this flight. So I, uh, you know, I'm a determined person and I was like, I cannot go through this every single time I need to get on a plane and like 
who knows, I'm probably going to get more opportunities to travel for work. So I need to start working through this. Yes. I like just kind of put my mind to it and I had to take like baby steps. So that was, so that was like a December by the following February, I flew with my dad to Florida again for like my niece's birthday party. And obviously it's like still a parent, but I'm like, okay, my dad is someone that would be like less comforting to my anxiety. So So that's a good next step. And then like, and then that following April, I went to LA with a friend that I, you know, felt comfortable enough to fly with. That was like going to be the longest flight I've ever taken. But yeah, I was going to ask, does duration have something to do with it? Yes. I think at that point, like being on a plane for so long definitely felt scarier. And actually then I had like a big dramatic incident with that friend that I was traveling with when we went to went to LA because we were out one night with friends and she worked in music and so I can't believe I'm telling the story but (laughs) so we were out one night and she had mentioned like oh there was a chance that like maybe she would you know she could stay out there for work for a few extra days and whatever and which obviously was was upsetting to me because like I needed like the buddy. Yes. And she was kind of like, you know, if I'm, if I can stay, like I'm going to stay and you're just going to have to get back on the plane by yourself. And I, and she sent me like immediately into a panic attack. I was like crying, hyperventilating. Like we were at the, like a bar with friends and I just had like an absolute meltdown. It really was not kind or understanding. So no, in the end, she ended up coming back to New York with me. Oh, good. But that definitely like shook me because for sure. And again, like, you know, feeling safe with friends is like so important to me. And I just felt like really hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause she didn't understand the, how huge that would be in your mind. Right. Also like how to deliver it. Cause it's what, like, right. Just like, and you'll hop on the plane. Yeah. Listen, I could acknowledge that like, if I absolutely had to get on the plane again by myself, sure, I could probably do it. And like, it's one thing to say like, okay, you know what? Like, there's a chance I might have to stay. Like, how would you feel? Like, how can we like, you know, get you feeling comfortable enough to like do this on your own? And obviously that's like asking a lot, (laughs) but. But no, but it's like, yeah, it's friendship. Yeah. So are you still friends with that person? <laughs> I I am. We oh, wonderful. Do you fly with her anymore? So we actually traveled again one more time and this time to Europe. So and that was a few months later, so that was my longest flight, but I definitely feel like that altered how I saw her. Absolutely. That makes sense. So what happens when you feel like a bout of depression or a bout of anxiety is about to start? Like, because you have a very forward-facing career. Mm-hmm. How long does it typically last? Like, how do you kind of sense that it's coming? What, Like, how does it manifest itself for you? Because you have anxiety and depression, right? I never really say that I have depression. I definitely have had, like, depressive episodes is more yes. what I, yes, yes, you yes. know, what I would call it. And, and I think that's also just, like, quite common. But... My anxiety has really like shape shifted over the years. Uh, 
there, you know, the last like couple of years, I started having panic attacks in at fashion shows, which that is part of my job and going to fashion shows like back to back day after day. I did New York. Like panic attacks where you're like sweating and heart palpitations. Yes, heart palpitations. Um, It was definitely like a link to, uh, you know, like claustrophobia, like Mm. being locked into this room with so many people. Mm. You're so far from the exit. If I was sitting front row, which was not all the time, it would make (laughs) it even worse because I feel like all the eyes are on me. So what if I freak out? What if something happens to me again? What if I get sick? That's like always my number one thought. Um, (laughs) What if I throw up? Yeah. Is always. Yeah. So that was really, really hard. And I would start to get this like where I felt like I couldn't swallow. Mm. And it was just so weird. Like I had never had that before. And it just really felt like it came on so suddenly. So I feel like I'm those types of panic attacks. Yeah. Or like like that, that feeling like I can't, like, I can't swallow. Like I had never had, I had never had that before. Um, and now I get that sometimes when I'm driving on like a highway, cause I don't drive very much. Like I have, right. I moved back to the suburbs this last year. So now I drive more than I had for the last 10 years, even though I've had my li- driver's license since I was 16, always obviously yeah. felt comfortable, but then you fall out of practice with things. And like, again, you're like, Oh my God, what if I like freak out while I'm in the highway? And like, what if I need to pull over and I can't and right. <laughs> I'm, like getting, I'm like, I'm getting anxious I just know, thinking about it. Yes. I'm like, I'm sweating. Um, <laughs> yes. so a lot of times like my anxiety just like really like comes on so suddenly and kind of can feel sort of out of the blue. But at the same time, I think I can like get myself back to like solid ground in a pretty reasonable amount of time. How? Like with medication or with practices no, just, or with both? Just like talking to myself or distracting mm. myself. Mm-hmm. One of my coping mechanisms is Altoids. I'm addicted to Altoids. Yeah, I always have them on me because it's just like that strong, like a mint, just like, I don't know, yes. like, just does something for me. I need to try that. Yeah. It's, it's honestly, that has been one of my coping mechanisms since I was in middle school. No way. Yes. But I've graduated from the red tin of Altoids to now I do like those little compact ones. Yes. I love them. The little peppermint ones. If you don't have like Altoids, do you kind of like feel like, oh shit? Yeah. 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 It's so funny because it's such a, again, like it's so mental. Oh, totally. But I get it. And obviously these things are also so personal. So if someone was like, oh my God, I'm having anxiety, I wouldn't be like, hey, want a mint? But like, <laughs> but, but I'm going to try it. But I feel like that rush of peppermint is like. Yes. It's just like, I don't know, like it's cooling. It just, it just makes me calm down. And especially because again, so much of my anxiety is, is like tied to like, Oh, what if I get sick? What if I'm nauseous? Or like, I feel sick to my stomach. Like that always just like calms me and calms my stomach. Wow. I'm like, Altoids, man. This is an ad for Altoids. Know, Little did we know I that they know. could be like, used Altoids as anti-anxiety. Spot sponsor me. Yes, for real. So like when you're on Instagram and you're having like a anxious episode or like time, do you take a break or do you post about it? Like how, how does that play a role? 
I usually don't like go on social media to be like, hey, I'm having an anxiety attack right now. I'll sometimes I'll do it in hindsight, like when I can mm. actually like reflect on it and be like, you know, this happened to me and this is how I got through it, or like this is what I needed to do. I remember over over the summer. I had a situation where I like really spiraled out like so hard over like, <laughs> over like a, a, like a branded deal that like I had signed yeah. on to do. And then all of a sudden I wanted to back out of it. And I was so worried that like, you know, the contract, um, what yeah. if I'm going to have to like pay money back? Cause it was like a, right. it was like a product collab and mm-hmm. I was I like could not sleep. I was like up all night or like waking up basically like I could only sleep like maybe an hour and a half, two hours at a time, just constantly waking up because the team was in Italy. So I was going to write them the email that night, but I was like, it's going to be like sitting on my mind. So I'm going to get up early to send it. And then after I send it, then I have to wait for the response and just... I'm like, are you in my brain? Yes, I totally understand what you're saying. So that was really hard for me. And actually, my best friend is a therapist. So wonderful. I know. So I also like lean on her a lot. And she like helps to talk me down. And so after that whole situation, it was all totally fine. Oh, got out of it. Okay. They're like, it's not that serious. Yeah. I know it's always worse in our head. I was just like, exactly. That's, I'm very much like worst case scenario. I go there so, so fast. Catastrophizing, Um, yes. Yes. But I was like, what if the product's already been made and now I have to pay back because they made this and this and that. And like, yeah. And so like, I think later that day or the next day, I like said on social media, I was like, I was having a really bad anxiety attack. I was really spiraling out like, Luckily, the situation turned out to be not as bad as I thought it was going to be. And like, now I'm gonna, you know, take this rest of the day to be easy on myself. I did Mm -hmm. not sleep. I was, you know, Mm -hmm. I need rest so I can like, that really like worked me up into a tizzy. Oh, I bet. Oh, I bet. So you're kind of like after the fact, once you've like recalibrated, you can kind of reflect. That's smart. I feel like that's a great way to handle it. Yeah. I want to be like thoughtful about it because... Yeah. I just, you know, I'm like, I I know it helps people to feel less alone, but like, I also don't know that it really serves a purpose to be like, hey guys, I'm having an anxiety attack right (laughs) now. And like, (laughs) send me your best wishes. Yes. Yes. So you said your best friend is a therapist, which is amazing. My sister's a therapist, so it's wonderful. Love it. Keep them close. Yes, exactly. So I know that you, I just saw that like New York Magazine, they put out like all the best idea ever they listed everyone's therapist which is unbelievable so cool therapy is so essential to my life first of all when did you actually feel like you found the right therapist like how long did that process take you okay so here's my point of view on therapists and stuff like that because I get questions like this all the time or just like how do I find the right therapist I don't really get caught up on like oh my god I need to have the right therapist Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm more concerned about what is this person's qualifications and do they mm-hmm. have experience handling what I need help with? Like that right. is so important to me because so I've had, I think four or five therapists at this point. I'm, I think I'm on okay. my fifth one. And the one that I had prior to my current one, 
I did not love her, but I worked mm-hmm. with her for four years and she still helped me immensely because oh, that's good to know because every week I showed up there and I talked and I said what I needed to say and get out. And, um, you know, it's like, yeah, she didn't feel like she was like my best friend, but yeah. she was still very insightful and just still helped me a lot. Uh, still I think, doing the self-reflection. Yeah. And I think people think that like your therapist, like you're auditioning someone to be like your new best friend. Yeah. Like, no matter what, totally. it is always going to feel awkward in the beginning because you're talking to a stranger. Like right now, my current therapist, I would say, is the best relationship, best therapy relationship I've ever had. And it's the first time I've had a male therapist. And I just like, oh, I just love him. I think we have like such a great rapport and like he laughs at my jokes, which I think is always really nice. And like, yeah. we like, I feel like we could be friends. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, but then there's also sometimes where I think like, you know, maybe I actually need a different, I am actually thinking about like, I might need a different therapist at mm-hmm. this point. Cause I almost feel like too comfortable with him. And, mm-hmm. and I do think like, we just are evolving so much as human beings. And I really do like, to challenge myself. Like that's why I totally. specifically sought out a male therapist because I was like, I've always had female therapists and I want to see how I would do, how I can build that trust, um, you know, with a male therapist. And yeah. So I think like, you know, there's always going to be little things that we uncover that, I don't know. I just always think like your healing is so not linear. And I think when I think about where I was when I started or even like starting therapy, like as an adult and thinking that you're working on things and you're like, I understand where this is going, but then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, you just gain more perspective elsewhere. And you're like, Oh, actually maybe this is a path that I need to go down and I need to explore this more. And maybe actually this therapist is not, is not the best person to take me there. Like, I do think right. that there's like, they can only take you so far. Like my best friend, she worked with a therapist for like, I think 11 or 12 years whom she loved, but like yeah. had to eventually break away from because she was like, she's not equipped to give me, you know, the care that like I need. I need someone else who's focused on something different. So yes. Yeah. There's just. So being open to changing. Yeah. I think a lot of times people sort of use that as an excuse of why they don't like haven't started therapy therapy. or why they don't go to therapy because they're like, I just haven't found anyone that I like, but it's like, right. But how do you know you don't like them? Right. Right. You just need to just go. Yeah. Like obviously there are different styles of therapy and that also is something like good to understand to make sure it's a style of therapy that you like. I've just always gone into it. Like I go on psychology today. I like pick someone yeah. that looks nice. I have oh, a phone okay. conversation. Psychology today. Yes. Okay. I pick someone that like, you know, seems nice. I like their little mission statement and whatnot. Yeah. And, and then I, I get going, but it's like, you're all, right. I think like you're always going to be able to like take something away from it. Regardless of whether you feel like, oh, this person and I like would be friends in real life. So, you know, therapy is essential to both of our lives, I understand. But a lot of people can't access it because of whether it be like costs or lack of health insurance coverage. What's your advice for those people? You know, I think 
for me, like therapy is only half, half of the picture. Like therapy Mm -hmm. has helped me immensely, but I have also taken my own healing into my hands because therapy also only really gets you so far. It's like, especially if you're someone who's like, okay, I just, I show up once a week and I say what I have to say. And then I don't ever like think about things or sit with it. And, you know, I'm sure that there are people that who kind of approach it like that, but Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm so dedicated like to my own healing and understanding Mm -hmm. myself more and just truly invested in that piece. So like, I'm always reading like psychology books or self-help books. Like I always want to expand my awareness and, and perspective. Um, You know, journaling has been something that's been so big for me since I was Mm -hmm. a little kid. Like I think I started journaling in like third grade and there are so many benefits to that, that people just truly don't understand. I'm actually writing that for my next newsletter. (laughs) Stay tuned. Stay tuned. And yeah. And just being able to like sit with your sit with uncomfortable thoughts. And mm-hmm. I think like the reading and the journaling, like you can truly learn so much. Like I'm not my therapist is not a trauma therapist, but in the last two years I've started reading a lot about trauma on my own. And and even in that, you know, it started to make me think like, oh, maybe. I would want to see a trauma informed therapist next and right and but I'm learning so much on my own and I still bring my own learnings like to my sessions with with my therapist and yeah uh, so I think you know those things are also can be incredible learning experiences even if you can't afford therapy Absolutely. There can be a lot of healing and benefits to the stuff that is outside therapy that like that you don't necessarily need therapy to heal. No, I really think feeling connected to something higher, a higher power than yourself is, yes. is such a big key to this. Yes. Whether it is, you know, you are religious, like I consider myself to be very spiritual. I've been on a mm-hmm. spiritual journey for you know, the last, I would say like six years now. And that is something that has also just really helped me to look at the world in a different way, to be able to like surrender to situations where I don't have any control or I'm struggling, being better at sort of like picking and choosing battles and Mm -hmm. understanding that when people say things that hurt us, that they're probably coming from a place of hurt. Yes. Hurt people, hurt people. Yes. And being able to understand why we're having the reactions that we're having. Um, And yeah, so much of that has just come from reading. Yes. Yes. I, I, I do that too. Like I read so much about anxiety and mental mm-hmm. health issues and stuff. And I find that to be super helpful. So I totally agree. I'd love to talk to you more about anxiety. I could talk to you about it forever, but let's take a break and we will be right back. Welcome back. So what is a way that you are currently working on yourself? We've talked a lot about therapy, but is there something, you know, that you're a personality trait you're trying to work on, a habit? Are you reading more? Are, you know, what are you currently working on? Uh, in a sense, my newsletter has become a way that I'm mm. working on myself. Um, I started a newsletter called Forward Joy in January and 
you know, this was an opportunity for me to really dedicate more space to conversations like this about, Mm -hmm. you know, self-care and self-discovery and self-investment. And another thing actually that I've always felt insecure about throughout my career are my writing skills. Like I Mm. never, ever, ever wanted anyone to call me a writer. I was like, I'm not a writer. Like I'm just writing about like Bella Hadid's like outfit today. Like I'm not a writer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But writing is something that actually I always loved since I was a kid. Like I was one of those kids where like in third grade, my teacher like had me work on like a special writing project where I got to like write my own short story. Yes. So being able to have this space where I'm writing more personal things about myself and like have more space than just like an Instagram post or an Instagram story has actually been like really kind of like therapeutic for me. And also, you know, like every time, so my newsletter is like twice a month and every time I write, you know, like a more personal story, like the one that I did about my 25th birthday, I always feel like, oh my God, this is so self-indulgent. Like, why does anyone want to read this? Like, does anyone, oh, I'm sure people does, love it. does anyone care? And then like, yeah. after I sent out the one about my 20th birthday, like I got so many responses, oh, my you God. know, from girls who were like, oh my God, this is exactly how I feel right now. Or this is how I felt. And totally. And you know, it, it's helped me to like, feel more confident in like, in what I have to say and what I have to Absolutely. share. And you know, and I'm not, I'm not ever trying to come from a place of like, oh, I'm telling you what to do, or I know Mm -hmm. best. I think it's really just about, I just want to share my experiences and like things that I've gone through in hoping that other people can see themselves in it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's also kind of why you started this podcast. It's like, it's really about like, you know, helping other people to see that like, yeah. listen, we've like all been through some shit. Like, 100%. I know my life looks a certain way because of what you see on social media. Like I used to travel all the time. I get all these free clothes and like right. this and that, but like, you know, in between those times I was terrified of like getting on the plane and I was struggling with anxiety. I was having panic attacks at fashion shows. Like I've gone through all of this shit. Like I am not perfect whatsoever. I am not. And I, you know, I don't think we just should never, ever look at anyone else and think that, oh, they have a better life than us because we truly do not know other people's struggles. A hundred percent. And there's so much healing in connecting in that way. And like knowing that your story resonates with other people. It's like almost, it's not a selfish act, but there's, you know, there's like, there's some healing for yourself there. So on that note, what's something that people follow you on Instagram would be surprised to know? This is such a good question that I have like tried desperately to get my parents to go to therapy, but they refused. Interesting. Interesting. They need it though. They need it. Yeah. And is it just like a cultural thing? Are they just like not down? 100% cultural thing. Yeah. Yeah. My parents are Jamaican immigrants and Mm -hmm. mental health is just not something that was ever talked about. It's more like go to church and pray about it. Right. Uh, or, you know, my mom will be like, I don't want to live in the past. You know, it's like, it's mm. not about living in the past. It's that right. things that happened in our past, even things that happened to my mother that when I was not even born, affects yes. me. 
Yes, yes. Generational um, trauma. trauma. Yes, that's what I've really been digging deep into. And, you know, and I think especially like for Black people, like we all have generational trauma. A hundred percent. And being able to understand that is so, so, so important. Absolutely. Yes. And that's been a really frustrating thing for me, especially this last year of being home, living with my parents again. Yeah. But I just... But again, this is something I need to work on is like, I cannot fix them. Like I cannot force them to do something they don't want to do. If they want to change, that is on them. And at the end of the day, I have to respect that they are doing the best that they can with what they have. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. life. A hundred percent. I love that because it's hard. It's so tempting to want to control, especially people you live with, especially your parents. You're like, All of our lives could benefit from you going to therapy, but you just kind of have to shut the door and be like, (laughs) I can't control you. And I'm like, don't you see how it helped me? Like you can acknowledge that it helped me, but, but you know, my mom is very like, it's just not for me. It's not going to do anything for me. I'm like, okay, whatever. (laughs) Whatever. Exactly. All right. Well, we are done. So (laughs) where can people find you? What's your Instagram handle? I am at Chrissy Ford um, on all social media platforms. Keep it consistent. Yes. And and where can people find your newsletter? At ChrissyRutherford.com. There's a sign up or even uh, there's a link in my bio on Instagram. Perfect. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Absolutely. Thank you. This was so fun. I know. I love talking to you today. We need to swap book suggestions. Yes, I wanna, for I wanna sure. know what you've been reading. Okay, good. Yes, we will. And psychic suggestions. Oh, my my psychic, which I don't call him a psychic. He's a tarot reader, really. And right, a healer right. was named one of the best psychics in New York City in New York Mag's new issue. No way. Who? Yes. His name is Denichi Lazuli. I've been seeing him for six right years. Up right now. Um, he is incredible. You oh should definitely God, sign, you should definitely go see up. him. Yes. Sign me up. See guys, I really wasn't lying when I said that we talked a lot about anxiety, but I just find it endlessly fascinating that one person can have one kind of anxiety while another person has anxiety that looks totally different. Like I've never had flight anxiety in my life, but I've had many other kinds of anxiety. So it's just really fascinating to me. I also loved what she said about therapy because I have so many friends right now that quote unquote hate their therapist and just haven't found the right one and find it exhausting to go therapist shopping. But I like what Chrissy said when she said that it's important to research the kind of therapy that you think that you would respond best to. Because every therapist might not be right for you, yes, but you might be going after the wrong type of therapy. And after the experience that I talked about, like both last week and this week, about that psychic that just totally rocked my world and fucked me up, I'm still open to trying other psychics. Like, call me a glutton for punishment, but I'm down. So I'm going to call the one that Chrissy recommended right when we're finished recording. Trust and believe. While I have you, if you want to text me or leave me a voicemail about what you love about this episode, about other episodes, or just what's on your mind recently, I would love it so, so much. So please do. The number is 415-849-0299. 
I promise we'll have a great conversation. Just text me or leave me a voicemail, whichever you prefer. Thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget to rate the podcast. You know, when you scroll past all the episodes, you'll see some stars and some options to comment. Please, I beg you do so, because that is really the only way that this show will grow. And I'm done begging. I will see you guys next time. Bye.